Electric Power recognizes local businesses, organizations, and individuals that partner with them to preserve the environment and promote sustainability. These are forward-thinking partners who are creative and effective in their approaches to promoting greater sustainability in the Tucson community. We are spotlighting the community partners in this special podcast series, and today we welcome with great joy Louise Mistel, Executive Director for Sky Island Alliance, a conservation organization working to protect and restore the diversity of life and lands in the Sky Island region of the United States and Mexico. She has worked at Sky Island Alliance for the past 15 years, leading conservation and climate change adaptation initiatives to keep wildlife connected and thriving and water flowing. So, Louise, welcome. And I used to have a bell that I rang because I'm so excited to have you here, and I mean that. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) as Mrs. Green... I see Sky Island signs in so many places that I frequent. So I just want to applaud you for your work, and I'm really glad you're here. Really glad. Well, thank you so much for having me. And you got a lot of work to do. (laughs) It's like, it's so sick. It's not even funny, but you know, you've been there 15 years, and Mrs. Green's world is almost 15 years old. And it's very sometimes daunting to me to think back 15 years and what it was like then and how much worse it is now. And I'm sorry to say that, but Sky Island (laughs) is out there working and so is Mrs. Green. So we're we're creating little changes that really add up to more changes, right? Right. And that's that's the key. It takes a village. (laughs) It takes a village. I mean, we need a lot of villages. Um, Okay. So let's start with, do you want to add a little bit about Sky Island Alliance in the time that we have? Sure. Well, if you're not familiar, I'm speaking to you from uh, Tucson, and we're in the Sky Islands right here. The Sky Islands are our home. They're these amazing forested mountains rising up out of the Sonoran Desert. Uh, And so the Catalina Mountains, the Santa Catalinas, and the Rincons we can see from Tucson, and the Santa Ritas are a few of 55 of these uh, unique forested mountains that are found in southern Arizona and northern Mexico. And we're the only organization that's working to safeguard the entire Sky Island region and a really amazing diversity of wildlife and plants that depend on it. So when you say the Sky Island region, is it is it safe to say it's kind of like a corridor that goes north and south, or is that an oversimplification? Sure, that's a great way to think about it. Um, we're These 55 isolated mountains sit between the Rocky Mountains and the Sierra Madre. And so it's this really special place on earth where uh, the, these uh, unique mountains and desert landscape are connecting these much larger uh, continental mountain ranges. And it certainly is a major uh, migratory corridor for lots of different kinds of wildlife like birds and, um, and other critters. Yeah, and I'm, I'm taking pause because I really I don't I don't want to get political, so I'm not. But I mean, I I saw a picture the other day <laughs> of a roadrunner on the other side of the wall trying to get over. So it's, I guess, what I want to say is I highly highly praise you for your work because it's needed more now than ever. So that's that's a good way to get out of what I just did. <laughs> um, so there's programs you want to talk about and or pro- projects that you're involved in and one of them is the important of sp- the importance of springs for wildlife so just elaborate on that and what 
kind of work that entails? Sure. So we, we focus our work on water, wildlife, and people, and building the science needed to protect this special place, the Sky Island region. And as you can imagine, water is such an important part of that. Um, water's the underpinning of our biological diversity here, the amazing diversity of plants and animals. And it's also pretty scarce here in the desert. So, um, and every place that we have flowing water is really important for animals to get a drink, for special plants to grow that need their feet in moist soil. And so we focus uh, a lot of our work on spring ecosystems, these special places on the land where uh, water meets the surface. And they can be really tiny, um, small areas on the landscape or, or larger, but they're super important for birds and deer and bears and all kinds of unique plants and, and other um, critters that depend on this wild water for life. So what do you do? I mean, we had a lot of rain this year. Thank goodness. And, you know, I told you that Kathy Jacobs from the University of Arizona, University of Arizona did a presentation to TEP um, green team members. And one of the things that I didn't know, and I, I shouldn't admit this on the air, but I'm totally radically transparent, is <laughs> most of the evaporation does not, like in, in our waterways, it's from the increase in temperatures. It's not being sucked into the ground. Is that a great way to put it? The ground is so hot and so incredibly intense that a lot of the evaporation occurs there. And I did not know that. So I don't know if you want to comment on that, but you have your work cut out for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, certainly um, climate change and warmer temperatures and less rain. (laughs) Right, right. Um, These things work together to create less water on the landscape and absolutely increase evaporation. And uh, something in particular we've been looking at right here outside of Tucson is um, springs in the footprint of of the Bighorn Fire. Um, fires can have all kinds of impacts at mm, springs, but right. one, one of them is springs lose their nice shady bower of trees around them if they had that previously from a fire, and that can impact how much water is there and the temperature of the water, which can all be very important for different insects and frogs and and critters that live in that important water source. And that without them, they die. <laughs> yes. But take heart. There's there's much we can do to support these wonderful uh, water sources on the landscape. And um, certainly um, one, one of the ways, uh, one of the important parts of that is we have to know where they are and, and what's happening at them to be able to protect them and restore them. And that's a big part of the work we've been doing really for for years now, but just recently, uh, particularly in the footprint of the Bighorn Fire that occurred in the Santa Catalina Mountains last year. So I don't know whether I should jump over to that because that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you about to dive into a little bit deeper, get down in the weeds, so to speak, if there are any weeds left. And then <laughs> is how is that connected or is it? I was very intrigued by the Spring Seeker Project. First of all, the name is great. And I want I would wanted you to tell us about that. So you get to decide if you want to talk about the, the work in the Catalinas as a segue or go to Spring Seeker. Oh sure. Well they're absolutely connected. So right. I will weave 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 them both them together. <laughs> 
Yeah, so so Spring Seeker is a, a program that we launched last year um, to, to engage folks in helping us uh, understand what's happening at Spring. So it's it's an app that anyone can use on their smartphone when they're out hiking or um, out in public lands uh, where they might encounter a spring. And there's some simple data that we ask people to take through the smartphone app to help us understand how much water is at the spring, sort of what people are seeing at the spring. And this data is so important for us to understand uh, where there are still wet springs on the landscape, which can help us direct our, our work. Um, if there's special plants or animals that people are encountering, um, a lot of springs are developed by humans for human use. And in many cases, they're, they're not being used for that um, anymore. So there's opportunities to get more water back onto the landscape that frogs can get into and animals can drink so that it really supports a thriving diversity of life. And we've been using uh, Spring Seeker with volunteers and students this summer to survey springs within the footprint of the Bighorn Fire. So um, fires can, as I mentioned, can have lots of different impacts on springs. And uh, another impact that they can have is there's a lot of erosion often following fires. Um, and springs can be in channels, like as if we think about a creek, a spring is often at the bottom of a, like a creek channel and uh, it can be in danger of getting um, buried by sediment that moves downstream um, when it rains following a fire. And we've had lots of wonderful rain this summer, which is absolutely amazing and outstanding. I mean, (laughs) such a gift. Such a gift. And springs are flowing for sure um, in lots of places. And it also um, it also presents this threat to um, springs in, in areas that burned severely that they might get buried by sediment. And so we're planning restoration projects and getting, getting that vital information from the surveys to then um, put some measures in place to help keep those springs flowing and, and thriving into the future. You know, I would encourage people because the people who listen to Mrs. Green's World, it's a tribe and you get in and you're hopefully people stay for a long time and listen to podcasts. But the people involved in Mrs. Green's World are doers, they're engaged. And I did go down the rabbit hole a bit about this program because I know people that hike all the time that would do this. So my next question is, how do you get the word out about it? I'm so glad that TEP wanted us to interview you, but how do people find out about it? I love Sky Island Alliance. I never knew this existed. What's your your big bang for the buck to get the word out? Sure. Well, so, um, well, if folks are interested listening, they can go to our website, skyislandalliance.org, and um, Spring Seeker is listed there on the, and on the website. And it's so easy to do this, yeah. to yes, register. very easy. Yep, you can. There's, a, there's lots of really good information you can access yourself on, on our website about how to download the app, how to use it. Um, there's contact information there for our wonderful scientists on staff who can help you if you have questions. And then we also host uh, bi-monthly coffee breaks, we call them. They're just presentations to the community open to anybody over Zoom. Um, it's every other Thursday at 930. Um, and every so often we're, we're doing a coffee break that's focused on Spring Seeker. We actually just did it last week, um, uh, last couple of weeks. We did one in Spanish 
and one in English. Um, but there'll be more coming in the future if, if that's the way you'd like to learn and get engaged. But it's really great. And links for this, for Spring Seeker and all that, will be on the show write-up page so people can click on it because we always do that for ease of listening so you don't have to listen with a pad and paper if you're driving in the car. But it's really, to me, I, I can't understand my feelings about Sky Island Alliance other than to say, as an environmental educator, it just sparks joy in me when I see any of your branding, any signs. It's like they're doing such good work. And I mean that, I, I say that very sincerely because it really matters. And how, I, I don't care if we go a little bit over in time, but I want to ask you, when something happens like we do have such a unique ecosystem and this whole area that you're protecting is so it can't be so unique, but is unique in and of itself. What happens when something like buffel grass pops up on the agenda and now there's another invasive gra- grass? Does it alter your work in what you're trying to protect and preserve or is it just somebody else's not in your purview? Because I'm obsessed with how buffel grass is spreading, especially with the rain. Yeah, well, that's a great question, um, and and that's a really important uh, threat here in our Sonoran Desert, um, especially around Tucson. Yeah, so you know we look at the we're working to protect the entire Sky Island region, and uh, our focus is really on, as I said, uh, wildlife, and so um, we're really thinking big about protecting connected open space for wildlife, which also obviously needs to have water for them to drink in those corridors and in the places they're living. Um, And so as an alliance, you know, we work with lots of different partners, federal agencies, other um, conservation organizations, research partners at the University of Arizona. And uh, buffalo grass is is an important issue, and it's one we tend to let other partners lead on, right, um, right, and try try to help with with volunteer efforts as we can. Um, we're kind of cool in that we, uh, as I said, we we want to connect people to this region, and we engage hundreds of volunteers every year in getting out to do things like look at springs with Spring Seeker, but also do um, restoration work like pulling invasive species implanting native plants. And so we like to help partners out wherever we can with that volunteer core because it's so important to have that help, all those hands. We need a village. (laughs) We need a village. We need a village. And like I said, I'm so happy that um, TEP recommended that we speak with you. I was delighted and I mean it. It's like, oh yes, this would, I could easily do a whole show. (laughs) This was like (laughs) a segment and hopefully that could be in our future. And I just want to ask you, does, do you get money from grants and private donors and how has TEP supported your work? Yes, TP's been a wonderful partner um, supporting our work um, around studying wildlife, spring seeking, um, developing restoration projects for springs in the Santa Catalinas, and also uh, engaging students through our internship program is an important part of our work. We like to bring in that next generation of young folks and, and help them engage in conservation work. Um, and we also get funding from other grants and from individuals like folks listening today. So um, that that funding is super important for us. Um, 
uh, lots of different people who care about the Sky Islands, love all the amazing wildlife here and want to see them thrive and see this beautiful place continue to be our home and provide, you know, clean air, clean water, amazing butterflies and hummingbirds to enjoy and all of that. We, we love and appreciate all of our um, donors who help make that possible. And Tucson is such a giving town. It's just amazing to me. I've been here almost 50 years and it never ceases to amaze me when you really get down to it, how many people volunteer and give money. And, you know, I encourage people, don't think that $5 a month is too little because if 50 people do it, it becomes a bigger number. And if 100 people do it, and for organizations like Mrs. Green's World and yours, every little bit counts. I mean, there's always more needs than there are funds, usually, at least in our organization. So it's wonderful. And I, I just want to say to people, don't. this is important work that's happening for all of our lives. I feel so passionate about that. So <laughs> anywho, I think I was a little gushy today, but I need. Some, we, I think the world needs a little gushy because of... There's a lot of bad news out there too. Um, yeah, and this is I'm good okay news. with gushy. <laughs> I'm glad. I really am. It's like okay, I'm not holding back. I'm just not because this is a really important organization. You're doing very important work that benefits everybody. What you're doing, then we all win if we sp- this. You know, the springs stay healthy and the little critters can stay a part of it. The circle of life really matters. So um, yeah. is there anything that you're dying to talk about that I didn't ask you? Because I think we covered a lot in a very short amount of time. Um, oh, just, I hope, I hope I get to meet some of you who are listening um, as a volunteer or a donor. Um, I, I, I know so many of you care deeply about this place we're living, this special biodiversity hotspot in the world, the Sky Islands. And we'll be here working hard to try to keep wildlife connected and thriving and water flowing. You will. I know you will. It gives me, it gives me hope. Um, so thank you. Thanks for being a part of my world now in an official way. And thanks to TEP for celebrating their partners in sustainability. It really matters what they're doing, but then that they want to celebrate your work. It's all about to me, the TEP culture. So thank you so much. Thank you. I so appreciate the opportunity and all of TEP's support for our work. 